Today's reading is from John, Gospel of John, chapter 1, and that's page 886 in the Church Bibles. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace for the law was given through moses grace and truth came through jesus christ no one has ever seen god the only god who is at the father's side he has made himself known christmas makes us think about and sing about jesus and particularly that little Jesus in the manger, uh, we just sang four carols about that because that is what we think about at Christmas. Our reading now uh, from the start of John's Gospel gives us a good basic framework for what we actually do think about that Jesus in the manger. And therefore that can help us understand a little more clearly what it is that we're singing about him too at this time of year. As we uh, think through this scripture, I, I wonder in particular if we might reflect on, on what we're about to sing about Jesus uh, in just a few moments. On the back of your bulletin, the next song is going to be Joy to the World. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven. And why would nature sing? Why does the coming of Jesus into this world make the fields and the rocks and the hills and the plains sound off in joy? I mean, the good news of Jesus in that manger is, is good news for us, isn't it? Isn't that what it's about? It's for people. How does Jesus mean anything to, to the wider creation out there? The birth of Jesus is all about saving people, isn't it? It's not about saving the planet. I thought we might explore that question today as we open up this scripture and think about that side of things. What is so good about Christmas for creation? 
And perhaps we could start by reflecting on that first Christmas with Jesus in that manger from the viewpoint of creation. In our reading in John chapter 1 and verse 1, it says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word here is talking about Jesus. And as we see again in, in, in verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. When the Bible says in the beginning like this, it, it's here at the start of John, it's at, at the start of Genesis, at the very first page of the Bible. It's talking about a time before creation. So when there was no heaven, and, and let alone any nature to, to sing with heaven, because nothing had been yet created at that time, before anything else existed, God existed. And the word, Jesus, was with God, verse 1, because the word Jesus was God. And that's a very important and good first point of reference for our reflection on that first Christmas from creation's line of thinking. There once was no creation, but there always was Jesus. He made creation, as verse 3 then clearly says, all things were made through him. And without him was not made anything that was made. Jesus created creation way back when, when in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. It was all of it made through Jesus. So that first Christmas, that's what's going on. The eternal Jesus, always with God, always God, ever since the beginning, he stepped into the creation that he, as God, had created. The eternal Jesus became flesh and blood Jesus. So if you drop your eyes down to verse 14 of our scripture, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And that's an important and, and very useful second point of reference for, for trying to understand that first Christmas. Uh, Jesus made the universe from grass to cattle to trees to water to human beings and he chose to humble himself, to, to lower his infinite dignity as the creator and come into what he had created. The eternal became earthly for a while. And yet even in that humbled state, his disciples could still see his great glory because, because unlike everyone else, Jesus, even in human form, was, was full of grace and truth. Still truly God, the only and eternal Son of the Father, but in a humbled and, and very truly human form. This mystery of Christmas is called the Incarnation. The Creator took our carnal, fleshy, human form, God incarnate. And like all mysteries of God, this one is very hard for us to wrap our little human heads around. It's hard uh, at the time, you would think, for Jesus' disciples, like John here, I'm sure, but, but it was too hard for other people at the time. As verse 10 says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. 
And yet even now, even, even in light of all of the scriptures from God that we have that explain this truth to us, the, the mystery of this incarnation is still a hard thing for us to comprehend, isn't it? And it's still too hard for some people to accept. But Jesus did things that only God can do. And yet on the other hand, he was also human. He's 100% God and, and yet 100% man. And this is the mystery of the incarnation that we, we must think about, we, we must wrestle and contend with at Christmas. More personally, in, in chapter 6 of John's Gospel, if you read a little further of John later, uh, Jesus tells people exactly this, that, that he wasn't just some guy from Nazareth born to Joseph and Mary, but that he had come down from heaven. And John, uh, the writer here, tells us again there in chapter 6 how people just struggled to process that. John 6, 41, So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? For everything else that's going on at this time of year, Christmas makes us ask that same question. Joseph and Mary gave birth to him in a stable. How then is this God? But that's what scripture clearly proclaims. And even though it's such a hard thing for us to get our heads around, I wonder, I wonder if this could be you know, the, the reason that the wider creation out there might sing that the creator stepped into his creation. Is this what all the joy is about out there in the fields and on the hills? The Bible does teach us that the whole creation has been waiting eagerly for what Jesus came to do. But to understand it properly from creation's point of view, we, we actually first have to understand it from our point of view. And for us, John goes on in verse 12 here to, to describe that Jesus came to recreate us, to recreate us as children of God. Good verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Jesus came into the world to take fallen and, and sinful human beings and, and make them new, to remake them, as it says, in, into the children of God. It's described as a, as a rebirth because it requires a complete rebirth of who we are. People who are separated from God because of their sin need to be changed by him so as to be able to receive Jesus and believe in him and and in that process be drawn back to God. And Jesus in that manger that we picture is God. Come for this very reason, to, to completely renew people and make them his. And as both God, verse 1, and, and the one who was with God before the creation of all things, Jesus has the authority for recreation. He has everything and all the authority to remake us as children of God, should he so choose to do. And he so chose to do. 
and he still continues to so choose to do today. He sends the Holy Spirit to this end to, to recreate more and more people every day such that they receive Jesus and believe in his name and become children of God. That's what verse 13 is talking about. It's talking about our recreation, an inward spiritual rebirth and renewal that, that he can work in us now as we are born again inside of God. We were all born by our mothers in the flesh and blood, but we need to be born again spiritually by God. And Jesus speaks about that more in chapter 3, if you do read more of John's Gospel later. He laid down how vital this simple truth is in John 3.3 3, when he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And that new birth happens when plain old sinful people are brought by God to a state of trust in Jesus to make them new. And it can only come through Jesus like that. Jesus says later in chapter 4 to a woman who's, who's collecting water at a well, he says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. And if that be the case, then, then yes, let every heart prepare him room. Is this then why heaven and nature sing? Are they excited and, and delighted about our spiritual rebirth through Jesus Christ? Or is there more? While this great renewal starts with our spiritual rebirth in the here and now, if you do keep reading John's Gospel, you will slowly but surely discover that Jesus is talking about more than that. He goes on to explain that we can also look forward to a new body, a resurrection body, a recreated resurrection body that will live forever if we have come to him. For example, in chapter 6, Jesus says, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. He's talking about raising up our bodies. On a, on a great day of resurrection at the end of this age. He chatted with Martha about it too, this resurrection at the last day in chapter 11, if you get that far. And he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And they've been talking about this general resurrection at the end of the world, where we will be raised bodily from the dead. But Jesus then demonstrated his power to do all of that on that future day when it comes by raising Martha's brother Lazarus from the dead then and there, in front of everyone, just by his word. He raised a man dead four days and decomposing in a tomb making it so clear that, that by that impossible sign, yes, we must come to him if we want to be reborn in this, in this physical way too when that day of resurrection comes. 
in chapter 14, on, on the night before he laid down his own life, he said to his disciples, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And after he died, Jesus rose from the dead, and he rose in a fully physical form. That's chapter 20 of this gospel. And he ascended to the Father in heaven in that resurrected physical body. Talk about the unfathomable mysteries of God. He said all the time uh, that where he was going with that resurrected physical body, he would take us there too. And to be sure, there were mysterious things about Jesus' resurrection body. I mean, he could pass through locked doors, it seems. He could appear and disappear to people's eyes, it seems. There was something definitely glorious about the risen Jesus' body, and yet nevertheless, it was absolutely physical. People hugged him. People touched him and hugged him, and he ate food with them, and he cooked food for them. They thought he was a ghost at first, but he showed them through all those things that he was real flesh and blood. Definitely mysterious, but, but definitely physical. Some kind of more glorious body, it seems, but a body nevertheless. And all the while, as I say, Jesus promised that where he was going, he would take his people to be with him too. So there's two sides of this rebirth. Inwardly, spiritually, rebirth is already happening for Jesus' people. It happens when we're saved and when we come to faith in him. Outwardly, bodily, rebirth is also coming on an epic scale all at once. Some people are still going to be alive when that comes, the scriptures say. But they too will be changed into the glorious new form. So could this then be why heaven and nature might sing? Because of the, the physical recreation of you and I that Jesus is planning to do. That we will be raised from the dead and, and remade new in a physical way. I mean, it's certainly more for us to sing about, isn't it? If you, th if you think it through, it, it's magnificent. But what Jesus came to do doesn't stop with us. Because Jesus came so as to make all things new. Jesus came into that manger to begin making all things new. Much later in Revelation 21, this Apostle John here recorded these words of Jesus. He who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Now here, I think, is where we're starting at last to get a sense of what, why heaven and nature would sing at the coming of Jesus into this world on that, that silent and holy night of that first Christmas because of what Jesus will now do through that for the whole creation. His recreation of all things. A recreation that first, yes, involves the spiritual rebirth of you and I, 
Later, yes, brings about a physical resurrection of our bodies too, but ultimately a whole new creation itself. I am making all things new, he said. And the Bible says that the whole creation has been waiting for this cosmic renewal. Because as it is now, the creation itself has been cursed. And it has been cursed because of our human sin. This creation is under a curse because of our sin. Human beings are fallen in sin. Corrupted. We reject God and we make ourselves God. And that rebellion of sin against our Creator has brought curse, not just on us, but on the world that we live in too. Look around you. Just look around you and, and, and just contemplate the fallout in this world of human greed and human pride and human lust and human selfishness and all the rest of our human sin. We always just think it's our personal choice. It doesn't affect anyone or anything else. But the world around us is groaning under the weight of human sin. But through our recreation, as we become children of God through believing in Jesus, the cosmos will be set free from that curse, which is just as that carol sings. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found. The song sings of, of the new creation that Jesus will bring. Because when Jesus recreates creation to, to, to be a place without sin, that curse will be lifted and gone forever. Oh yeah, I think the, the creation would be singing at that thought. This, I think, then, is more fully what heaven and nature would sing over Jesus coming into the world. But in this, too, is the conundrum of all this. Because if there will be no sin in the new creation that Jesus is making, how will we get in there? The Bible describes it as a place in which only righteousness dwells and therefore where God can dwell with us in holiness. But how can we be there in that new creation if we have sin? And, and the sin that has marred this current creation. And yet on the other hand, how can it be right if we weren't there when that's what God so clearly desires, to, to dwell with us? A little past our text today, down in John chapter 1 and verse 29, is the simple answer to that conundrum. There in verse 29, Jesus is revealed to us just a little bit more as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There's the answer. Our sin must be taken away if we're to become part of this new creation that's coming because no hint of sin will be found there. And so Jesus came. The, the eternal Son of God stepped into his creation in humble human form to do precisely that, to take away our sin. 
And he did that by laying down his incarnate life to receive the punishment that, that should come to us for our sin against God. That's the gospel of Christmas. Jesus died for our sin. This is what he came to do. And think about this then in light of this scripture. If God himself has received our punishment, then no more payment for our sin could possibly be required from you or I. We have done the wrong. Let's not make any mistake about that. But, but God has paid the cost of our wrong because he looked upon us with mercy and with the desire to have us live with him in the new creation. He did what had to be done. He took away the burden of our sin. All we must do then is, is receive this from Jesus and trust in what he has done to bring this all about. That's what verses 12 and 13 are talking about. This is the gospel of Jesus that allows sinful people to become the children of God. Let me ask you this this Christmas. You know, when this life is done, do you want to experience the glorious new creation that Jesus is making? Where there'll be no more sin or, or curse to be found ever? Then you must come to Jesus and be reborn spiritually now and physically later to become part of that glorious new creation that he's creating. And it'll be good. It'll be infinitely more glorious for us than this world is. So much to love in this world, but still, oh, so much hardship and sorrow. No, in the new creation, there'll be no sickness, no sorrow, no, no pain for one thing. But so too, we'll be dwelling with our God forever for another thing. And so too, because it will be not just a glorious new creation, but, but the best possible world where God is not just the creator of it all, but, but the saviour too, the gracious and merciful and loving saviour who, who saves us who have sinned against him but, but simply received Jesus and believed in his name. Verse 12. If your sin is not taken away by the Lamb of God, then you cannot come into the new creation that Jesus is making. And he didn't mince his words on that. So be thankful for his honesty and, and his clarity on this matter so grave. If you do not receive Jesus and believe in his name, then you will not become a child of God. And the joy of the new creation will not be for you. You must, like, like everyone else who would come into this, you must turn from your sin and come to Jesus to be made new. The Son of God did step into his creation in that manger. The new creation is going to happen by the sovereign will and the unfathomable love of God. And heaven and nature will sing in a world without end in God's magnificent glory. The question of Christmas that this world needs to be asked 
is will you be part of that when it comes? And the comfort of Christmas for those who have come to Jesus is that we can know that that all of this will be done. For this is why he came. He came into his creation for the purpose of recreation. And it starts now with you and I. May God bless you this Christmas and may he give you fresh joy thinking through these things uh, that he has so wondrously and generously done for you and I through Jesus, his son. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you as always for your scripture and and for this one today in, in John chapter 1 where we read of the word of God, the son of God, the lamb of God, Jesus, coming into this world that he made. Thank you that you gave him for us in in such humility that not only would he take on our form, but so as to die in that form, and, and that to pay for our sin against you, to allow us to become your children, to allow us uh, to, to have a place in your new creation when it does come. Father, we look forward to that day and we ask that you rekindle our joy afresh today as we contemplate your love, the height and the, and the breadth and the width and the depth of your love that you have for us in Jesus Christ. And may we glorify you for all who you are and all that you do, world without end, in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen.